Welcome to the Adamantium Podcast, episode number 120. Welcome back, Adam Antimaniacs. I am your host, Adam R. Harrison, and thank you for tuning in today. Today, we've got a really special episode, and I'm saying that because it's our first in-person interview of 2021, doing the podcast the way it was designed, with face-to-face interaction. Of course, we've had to do all virtual episodes up until date because of the COVID-19 pandemic, especially here in Ontario where the numbers were high and there was a lot of restrictions for in-person meetings. But now that vaccinations are out and it's summertime and you're able to be outside and kind of meet at a distance, we are able to get this one done face-to-face. And man, let me tell you, it felt so good. (laughs) It was just a great reminder of the value of looking at someone in the eyes and sharing an interaction with them. So a big thank you to Ewan Curry and Ryan Gullen of The Sheepdogs for coming out and doing this interview. Much appreciated, and I hope you guys enjoyed it as much as I did. So funny story about that too, because we did want to meet outside to be as safe as possible. You know, here in the city, we're a little bit limited to public space that is that is quiet enough to do an interview in. I've often done podcasts from my condo, but obviously there's no outdoor space to do it on uh, or big enough outdoor space. So we had uh, we had the sheepdogs over to my mom's backyard. <laughs> so shout out to Sandra Harrison for hosting some rock stars on a Thursday afternoon. Of course, the sheepdogs being a national treasure here in Canada, originally from Saskatoon, Saskatchewan, and being the only unsigned band to ever grace the cover of Rolling Stone magazine. The Sheepdogs have a new EP out. It's called No Simple Thing, and it's really cool. I love it. If you like the Sheepdogs, you know what to expect, and No Simple Thing will not disappoint. It is a perfect collection of songs for the summertime. So find a nice pool to crash, fire up the barbecue, find something cold to drink, and throw on uh, No Simple Thing by the Sheepdogs. Sounds like a perfect summer day to me. But before we get started into today's episode, let's do the Adamantium Recommend segment. Maybe you are not Canadian and aren't as familiar with the sheepdogs as we are up here in the Great White North. Or maybe you'd just like to antagonize me about my my choices. So here are my five favorite sheepdog songs that I recommend. Usually I like to kick this off with something new. So off the new EP, No Simple Thing, I recommend the sheepdogs' latest single, Keep On Loving You. And then from their last album, Changing Colors from 2018, I recommend the song, I've Got a Hole Where My Heart Should Be. My third recommendation and fourth recommendation are going to come from the Sheepdogs' self-titled album, The Sheepdogs, in 2012. The first song is called Feeling Good, and the second song is called The Way It Is. And then, of course, a Sheepdogs list wouldn't be complete without the song from their breakthrough album, Learn and Burn, from 2010. The song is called I Don't Know. Maybe you're a big Sheepdogs fan tuning into the Adamantium podcast for the first time today, so obviously you would know all those songs. But maybe you're not a subscriber to the Adamantium podcast. We would love for you to tune back in sometime. So please do hit that subscribe button on whichever network you choose to get your podcasts. You can also follow the Adamantium podcast on social media. We're on Instagram at the Adamantium, on Facebook at the Adamantium podcast, and on Twitter at Adam R. Harrison. And that is it for now. So let's get into today's episode with Ewan and Ryan of the Sheepdogs right here on episode number 120 of the Adamantium podcast. Enjoy, everyone. Stay safe. Be good. And we will catch you very, very soon with another hot, hot episode of the Adamantium podcast. Take care, everyone. Well, uh, we're here with Ewan and Ryan from the, uh, from the Sheepdogs, and uh, this is the first episode of 2021 that's in person, that's not virtual. Right. So, okay, yeah. Yeah, I have to say, it feels, feels real good. Nice setting doing. here, nice birds chirping. Yeah, yeah, it's a little bit of ambience. Yeah, it's which good. Is, no. Which is okay. Yeah. I'm, I'm okay with that. Um, so tell me, man, first of all, congratulations on the, the new EP. Thank you. Thank you. It's been out, what, two weeks? Two weeks now? 
tomorrow. Yeah, yeah, yeah. two weeks tomorrow. Yeah. So, let's start telling me by like, uh, you know, now that it's been out, it's been settled for a couple of weeks. Tell me how you guys are feeling about it. What's been the response so far? Uh, you know, I mean, it's just a. I mean, I guess under normal circumstances, we might be playing some shows and getting some response that way. Mm. But it's just seeing people's comments online, I guess. But so far, so good. People seem to really dig it, and I, I think you know. We're just everyone's de- you know desperate for any distraction or mm-hmm. return to normalcy. Yeah, I, I, it is very strange to have like you know most of the feedback be online and not be out there. But it's been cool. I mean, obviously, you know, putting a record out at a time like now is a little bit strange, and so we were kind of gearing up to it and, and tailored things towards the fact that we mm-hmm. knew that it wasn't going to be exactly the same as putting out a full length record in a normal year. And right. So you know, the response was overwhelmingly good. I mean, people. Seem to be stoked to have feel good rock music in the mix. Exactly. And, and what about what about putting the album together? Was that a much different experience? I mean, like, you guys are all in the same city, at least. We're this not actually. No. <laughs> uh, three of us are in Toronto. One's out in in, uh, in Coburg, and one's in Saskatoon. Okay. I mean, other than getting everybody in the same city during a pandemic, wasn't that much different. Like it's still mm-hmm. like. Uh, getting into a room recording right I guess the difference would be like sometimes you do a record and you do layered recording mm-hmm. like one part at a time but this time we were doing it all live we only had a, a week to do it so we had to kind of really nail right. it quickly yeah I mean I, over, over the course of the last few months I spoke to some bands out in Europe who were like all five members were in completely different countries almost <laughs> yeah. and it was like each of them were recording their part in separate studios and it just sounds like you know it's nice to be able to, I'm sure, come together even in, in this time to well, put music that, together. That was our whole thing is like yeah. we didn't want to make it so that it was us in a bunch of different places. Like it was, for us, it's important to be in the same yeah. room. And in this case, we were literally all playing together. So yeah. it was cool though because, I mean, at the time we hadn't been able to be together just because of COVID in general. Right. So when we finally did get together, it was, it was awesome. Probably it was just felt like, good in Yeah, general, and so like capture that and all be other. in the same room. Yeah, it was, yeah. It was great. How long had it been since you guys were all in one room together? Four months, maybe? yeah, yeah, four months, yeah, yeah. That's nice, man. But it, the pandemic came down right at the time that we were going to start ramping things up. Yeah. So kind of leading up to then, it had already been like some time off. Because mm-hmm. usually, like, you put a record out, and then it's like maybe about eighteen months of promotion and touring, right. and then you take a little time off, make another record, and do it all over again. So was was no no simple thing supposed to come out earlier, or like was it supposed to come out last year, or? Well, well, probably, what, were your, what, were, what happened in, what was supposed to happen in 2020? We were supposed to go to Portland okay. in April of 2020. Right around the worst. record a full-length record, okay. which probably would have come out before the end of the year, I mm-hmm. guess. Mm-hmm. And, of course, that just didn't happen. Right. You just have this weird thing right now where, I mean, everybody's just sort of like, the whole pandemic, everyone's kind of like, how do we put music out? Do we wait? What can you do mm-hmm. in a socially distanced thing when it comes to shows and promoting it? Uh, so, I mean, we just figured out while well, we're all in Montreal at the same time, let's just get into a studio and do mm-hmm. it. And then it just took a little longer to come out because it's sort of like, I mean, on one hand, it's like Cheap Dogs always sounds better in the summer, so that's part of it. But, you know, figuring out how the hell do we promote this thing? Mm-hmm. Know, like, when we're all. We can't even play a show. Really. Yeah, no. and I think like for like for us too it was like we questioned whether or not we should do like a full length thing, or if we should try to piece out what would have been a full length at a time. Because watching other people put out records, I mean, a lot of times it's like you put the record out, and yeah, it's kind of where we're at right now. It's like right. only like there's more for us to do now, but putting out a record June of last year it was like right. there was nothing to go and nothing do, do yeah. and in a lot of ways people just sort of move on and so we are very much always been an album band but mm-hmm. we sort of decided let's do it a little different let's focus on these songs let's do them this way and then you know kind of continually put things out take yeah. advantage of the time that we have not touring until we can be touring right. again so um, and it's a weird it, it's a weird thing to try to wrap your head around when you have plans and they just disappear because mm-hmm. like literally everything you do in music is all about like planning ahead and doing so I mean we had a recording thing we were going to do the Junos in South Sudan. we had a cross Canada tour with Black Keys everything was sort of ramping up like you said towards putting out that record once it was recorded and you know it all yeah. just disappears so we had to kind of retool everything yeah and in a in a way where it's like 
in a time it's impossible to plan for it at all you know yeah. um what about now i saw that you guys have like a european tour mm-hmm. planned for 2022 are you guys thinking maybe something canada usa before the end of the year or well i'm seeing gonna, dates now in the yeah late fall, so. yesterday was like the day when everyone decided they, they were going to announce their november yeah. dates i mean a lot of these things are already you know have been booked in a lot most right. cases like in our european tour that's i've, I've rescheduled that multiple times course, yeah. uh over the, the pandemic so um the biggest thing i think is just figuring out when makes sense so you have a november tours but those are like people that probably were supposed to do tours in some cases like last yeah. spring and yeah. so you know, we're, we're waiting to see we want to go out and do it when it makes sense we don't yeah. want to like have to announce shows and reschedule schedule and, announce and i mean yeah. we still run that risk potentially with of europe course. and stuff but no we're we're putting that stuff out when we can and then yeah figuring it out when we can cool i think the album came out at the perfect time like you said the sheepdogs are such a summer band and i listened through the album about three four times and it just it feels like a summer you know a summery album it's got the good times vibe is that really what you guys wanted i mean the sheepdogs have always kind of been about that but is that kind of especially this time at this kind of hard time of not having as much camaraderie and stuff like that is that something you really did strive for i mean it just kind of works out that way yeah happy (laughs) i mean we've hey there's different kinds of bands and like we're just not like a we don't typically write a lot of mu- moody music. It's mm-hmm. like we're more of the celebratory side of rock and roll. And so I think it just fits that people want escapism, they want to party, and mm-hmm. we've kind of always been about that. And so it just, it's the perfect time. I mean, I like to think there's no specific time that the Sheepdogs music is for, but it right. does seem to go well with the summertime. With the summer, and, yeah. You know, people always describe our you know music as being summer. Yeah. I mean, that's a good thing because people love people the love the summer people yeah. live for the summer here <laughs> yeah. <That's, laughs> yeah, I take it a little more yeah. seriously there like your wintry moody music or something you know? yeah right <clears throat> um, I mean even from the, the first song rock and roll ain't, ain't no simple thing it's like from the beginning I just I just sat and smiled and bobbed my head through it because it just felt good yeah um, the first single Keep On Loving You I wanted to Kind of the first the first thought I got from that opening guitar riff, the first thing that came to my mind was Thin Lizzy. It felt like a, a like a very, I mean I'm Irish so maybe that's why too. But yeah. <laughs> uh, I got that Thin Lizzy vibe right away. And then I saw you guys put out a Spotify playlist of influences of there. I was like, there's got to be some Thin Lizzy in here for. <laughs> yeah. And uh, sure enough, there was. What uh, was there any kind of uh, you know vibe that you guys were going for with that single or just. Yeah, I mean, I don't. That song, we kind of went through a few different uh, iterations of it. Like, there's like probably multiple. I, I probably have like at least three versions of it on my computer that I can bring up. Like, well, some where it leaned more on the organs, and some where it leaned more on the guitar. And, and Thin Lizzy for sure is like a band that we all really love listening mm-hmm. to. I you know, often imitated, rarely duplicated. Right. Group. Also, the vocal side of things, just because Phil Lynott is so unique. You could awesome just literally say anything, and it would sound cool. You could, like, read off your grocery <laughs> list. <It's> yeah, totally. <laughs> but, like, we've always been about that guitar attack, about the harmonized guitars. Mm-hmm. And this is kind of, like, the most over-the-top version of that, because it's three guitars. Right. And I think there's, like, three or four uh, of each guitar, you know, stacked on top. It gets this really big, kind of thick sound. Maybe it's like Queen would kind of do that, too. Yeah. Um, but then, like, I think something else that's sort of Thin Lizzy that people don't think about maybe overtly is, like, Thin Lizzy, like, have this image of, like, tough guys with leather jackets. Yeah. Street brawling kind of guys. But they're kind of softies. Mm-hmm. Like, they're kind of like, like, the song I think we put on that list was Running Back. Yeah. And it's, like, or, or Running Home, whatever it is, I'll come running to you, whatever that yeah. song is. And it's, like, it's, like, a sweet song. They have yeah. a real sense of melody. Um, maybe it's their, you know, sort of their traditional Irish side coming out but mm-hmm. you know there's a sweetness to it as well I think that's part of the Thin Lizzy influence yeah that's very cool I like it it also reminded me took me to it felt like a song that should be in a movie soundtrack right at the part as the two lead characters fall in love for the first time and it's that like <laughs> montage scene sure it made me think of uh, have you ever seen The Naked Gun yeah. yeah you know the scene the Herman's Hermit scene where they're like <laughs> <laughs> 
Well, maybe if uh, Naked Gun Six gets made. Yeah, yeah, that's it. For well, it's hard to do without Leslie Nielsen. Yeah, but yeah. At least OJ is available again. Though, yeah, great. I guess so. Yeah. He's, he's a, he's, I'm sure he's booking any gigs. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, my last question about that song, though, is where where do we get one of those amazing French bulldog green suits? <laughs> uh, English bulldog. Yeah. Okay. It's, it's just a, you know, yeah, that's my old dog, Elwood. Really? Uh, so you had yeah. that custom made? I had a custom made. Okay. Uh, yeah, I had a... There's a guy in, uh, I think he's in Long Beach or yeah. in California, and our guitar player, Jim, found him online and started getting suits, custom suits. Mm -hmm. We we love, like, classic country, and, mm -hmm. uh, you know, the guys would dress up with rhinestone studded suits, and, and this guy does custom work, and it's pretty cool. You just tell him what you want. Double Eight Apparel is his yeah. company. Okay. Yeah, uh, and so I had a couple other ones, and then I, w I got one made uh, with my dog on it, and he passed away last year, so now oh, it's like a fitting. Uh, yeah. What was his name? Elwood. Elwood. Okay. Yeah, I love English bulldogs. They're yeah. special, special dogs. Very nice. I was gonna let my dog out, but she would be <laughs> all over the place, <laughs> all over the place. Yeah. <laughs> um, that's great, man. I wanted to. Um, one of, there's one other song I wanted to specifically ask about on the EP, sure. and that's the song Talk It Over. Um, that was one of my, my favorites going through it. Um, I thought it was one of the sweetest melodies on the album, um, but also it kind of felt, felt relevant to 2021, <laughs> or just, you know, uh, social kind of environment these days. Sure. Um, was that something you guys had in mind when you are writing it, or did that kind of just fall into place with... Well, I, you know, that was a song that was the last written song. It's the only song that was actually written during the pandemic. Okay. But one of the byproducts of the pandemic is that we're all stuck at home. Mm -hmm. and I think we all spend way too much time online. And mm -hmm. one of the byproducts of being online too much is, uh, you know, there's a lot of shouting at each other. I would say arguing, but it's yeah. not really, it's not like people just take their sides and, and fight. I mean, I don't know. I find the discourse online to be pretty disheartening. Mm -hmm. It's like nobody, everyone's sort of set in their ways. There's no like convincing each other of something no. or, or working through something. It's the frustration of of just like that's a tribalist kind of thing. Where yeah, it's not a conversation. It's, <laughs> it's pretty nasty. And I mean, certainly American politics got really nasty in the last few years in a way that I'd say never as soon seen before, but I guess they did have a civil war. Right, right. <laughs> the Close though. Uh, they say Close. history repeats itself, yeah. right? So. Well, yeah. they say it, it never repeats itself, but it sometimes rhymes. Okay, yeah. <laughs> I like that. Yeah. yeah. I didn't make it up. Okay. <laughs> you heard it here first. I heard it. <laughs> yeah. That's where I heard it first. So. Yeah. yeah. So that I, I don't know. Like, there's a lot of songs that could be written about civil unrest. Mm -hmm. You know, certainly, like, the Black Lives Matter movement was a massive yeah. theme of last year. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I don't know what I could say about that, that other people are saying better than me. Mm -hmm. But one thing I did notice, and I don't typically reference overt social things, but I really feel like on a basic level that it's frustrating how people have a discourse. It's just not productive. It's just shouting. Mm -hmm. It's frustrating. Yeah, I think that too. And I, I've noticed that, like, even... Uh, celebrities are people who musicians who rely on having a social media presence and stuff I've noticed some of them taking breaks just because they can't you know they need a they need a break from the, the shouting you know and uh, when I think in a lot of cases too it's like you, you don't want to weigh in your own personal like right. a lot of people feel like they need to weigh in their personal opinion and it's kind of yeah. like you know, a lot of things that have happened in the sort of social movements that have taken place in the last year, which I think is an important part of what has come out of the pandemic, is, you know, we don't necessarily feel like we need to, you know, our, we have our, our thoughts, and we also want to amplify other voices that have, like, a better mm -hmm. place to speak on these things, whereas I think some people feel the need that, oh, well, I, people are paying attention to me, I should also weigh in on right. my opinion, which becomes, like, exhausting in itself. Uh, yeah, of yeah, course. Having, I don't know, how, like, people who have a take on everything, it's, like, it's exhausting. Like, yeah. I, I, you know, it's, I think it's okay to admit you don't know or you like need to learn more about it and that kind yeah. of thing. But also it's good to like feel comfortable in accepting that you maybe don't know everything about it and that your opinion on something can be changed mm -hmm. or is an ongoing thing. You don't have to like... It's, just, it's that thing where people are like, well, where do you stand on this issue? And you're like, I don't know. And yeah. you better pick the right one there, buddy. And you just... just 
it's weird. I could tell you where I stand on rock from 1969 right. to 1973. Yeah, yeah, just a lot of people that are, you know, yeah. consider themselves experts because they have a lot of Instagram followers or something like that. It's right, just, yeah. So, so, I mean, we've, like you said, often don't weigh on, in on things because I think in a lot of cases we're not mm-hmm. experts or we're yeah. not, you know, or we're not the voice that should be amplified in and around that, mm-hmm. you know, but if we can facilitate that. So we're here to rock. Yeah. 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 It's, I had a, it's, I had a friend too that I used to just I used to see him at the gym all the time and it was for the last like year it's just his everything everything is just his opinion on everything I'm like your life just seems exhausting like <laughs> you have to have two cents on everything you know and the guy just had a baby I was like yeah. let's hear about that <laughs> like yeah. that's way more positive I don't like oh yeah yeah it's uh I know I don't I yeah I don't get it either but uh it is what it is everyone well yeah. Everyone's gonna, yeah. Everyone's got their own, but if we've learned, if we've learned anything, but uh, yeah, I've even like it's it's funny. I even see. I always find it funny people who blame, you know, they blame their weight gain on <laughs> on COVID and stuff. It's like nobody says you have to stay at home and well, <laughs> eat I'm chips just, and sit on the couch. Yeah, you know, that's like, what I've been doing. Yeah. <laughs> but I mean, it's don't like your choice, but don't blame it on the yeah. pain. You know, <laughs> yeah. Nobody says you can't go. Uh, <laughs> but. Well, I, I I really appreciated that song. I, I really enjoyed it, and it just it just kind of it put a, a nice like you said, like it's a sheepdog's nice spin on on just you know what it what it can be. You know, let's just talk rather than yeah. I, I try to have opt- I try to be optimistic in our music too because uh, yeah, I don't know. Like I prefer optimism because why not? Like, like <laughs> I mean, it's, yeah. yeah, and you know, like I'm not gonna write like you know. Sunday, bloody Sunday by like YouTube right. or something. Like Although that. amazing song, but <laughs> yeah, I feel like I keep trashing YouTube. And <laughs> yeah, I was gonna oh, say. No, that's like my, my favorite band of uh, all time. Well, you're Irish, right? Yeah, I have a Joshua. I, one of my COVID projects was I painted a Joshua Tree mural on my kitchen wall. Oh, wow. that's cool. Yeah, I, I, I'm, it's kind of a joke because I we made my other band. We made a video and I punch up. Okay. As yeah, a joke. yeah. There's some really good YouTube stuff. I don't want to trash them. Yeah, no, no. They're just a convenient whipping boy uh, because they're so popular. Right. I think, and I think Bono was a very popular, like you said, whipping post for especially the while because his voice was so heard by everyone. Well, and think, then the whole free album thing too just turned a lot of people. Yeah. <laughs> and they, you know, he's pre, you know, to his credit and his detriment, he's a very outspoken person. Yes. Yeah. 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 Uh, do you guys I know you guys probably been asked a bajillion times but do you mind if we talk about the Rolling Stone sure. contest I know you've probably spoken about it, but I personally is one of my dream jobs is always to be a contributor to Rolling Stone magazine sure. it's one of my favorite I mean at least classic Rolling Stone it's <laughs> one of my favorite uh, outlets um, tell me about I want to I just I want to know the story or what what how did how did you guys find out about the contest originally um, how did you get involved I mean, it, the short version is yeah, that, right. uh, I mean, it was put on with Rolling Stone in coordination with Atlantic Records. Okay. Um, and uh, a guy who later became, like, for a while, our manager, Joel Carrier, found out about us as a band and sent our music to some of his friends in, in New York who then were involved in this contest. So they picked a bunch of bands and contacted them. So it's not like, it wasn't even something we entered in. Okay. I literally got a phone call one day saying, hey, this is so-and-so from... You know, Atlantic Records. Would you like mm-hmm. to be part of this competition? And we found out we were the only Canadian band involved right. in it. So it happened really quickly. It was like we were a band for a long time before that, and suddenly we were kind of like spinning our tires, trying to like get things rolling and mm-hmm. move forward with career and music. And this thing came. So it went from that to us being involved in this competition where we were competing against, I guess, is it 15, 16 bands total. Yep. So, yeah. Uh, yeah. Did you guys like your chances at the beginning, or were you kind of like... <laughs> I was just telling, you know, I mean, you never know. Uh, right. Because, I mean, if you're confident enough to, like, step on stage, you obviously believe that you've got something to right. offer. Um, but, you know, in modern music, like in 2011, us doing our old school rock styles, I and, didn't think so. And just being this, like, small town band, you know? like but I just told the story earlier today, but, like... The first meeting of all the bands was in New York, and we were the last people to arrive for it because everyone else flew in, but we needed our van because we were doing a whole bunch of other shows and things. Mm-hmm. And we drove down from Toronto to New York. It took us, you know, probably should have taken nine hours, and we did it in about seven because I was driving like 150. Yeah. Pumping the Allman Brothers. 
and we rolled in the last people to show up and we just like pulled up right in front of this bar in like in lower east side manhattan yeah <laughs> and like just double parked or whatever rolled in all disheveled out of the van and like i remember everybody was just sort of like whoa who are these dudes like because everyone like was wearing their fancy new like outfit that they bought right for that for thing. specifically for yeah and we were like kind of the real deal like we were actually playing shows and giving her hard and like everyone was kind of like whoa and even the other like there were a couple of the other bands and like mod Sun and some of the other people yeah. were just like you're gonna win this thing i think people knew just because we kind of just i think we were just sort of I don't know it just was our time or something yeah. it was a weird thing mm-hmm. yeah well and it was a it was a strange thing because going into it I think we were the only Canadian band we don't know anything about any of these bands or mm-hmm. I mean, every experience we had in a place like New York City was like we wouldn't even stay there because we couldn't afford it right. we would drive to Scranton Pennsylvania yeah. which is like you know two and a half hours away after a show because it was cheaper to stay there mm-hmm. than it would be in Manhattan so to suddenly be in a position where we're like around people from a like major U.S. record label, a major U.S. publication, music publication, and we're kind of like being pitted against these other bands that we also don't know. Like for all we know, they could be really good. But as time went on, we sort of realized like we're one of the only people in this competition that actually have been a band for a while. I mean, mm-hmm. we've been a band for seven years. Where yeah. some of these people had only been. I think in some cases they were like a band for like eight months or something right, like right. that. Right. Yeah. So. It just I don't know. And I think we just like. Everyone else was like trying to do something, and we were just already doing. We already were that. Right. We just rolled like we already pretty road tested. Like we rolled out of the van with our you know winter coats and long hair, and it <laughs> yeah. was like it was like a real almost famous kind of thing. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. When who when did you guys hear the result? Like, what was your what was your react? What happened? What happened next? How did your life change after that? Well, it was just basically the next like nine months. We just constantly doing something whether it right. was like a photo shoot an interview uh, getting in a cab to go to the airport to play a show the next day somewhere in a town that was conveniently super far away <laughs> <laughs> all that kind of stuff yeah uh, it, to be honest it wasn't much time to reflect or even like relish anything because mm-hmm. it was like onto the next thing onto the next thing and yeah. that actually kind of went on for a couple of years you're right I mean the, when was we, it overwhelming at first oh I mean big time I mean we yeah. were in a position where we didn't want to like not to, we didn't want to just rest on the laurels of that competition yeah. both during and after so you know like you even said we were like by in a lot of ways choice like we were getting all these offers to play different festivals of course like we want to go play festivals and make money and expose things yeah. while we can and we're still doing this thing so when we actually did find out that we had won and we were going to be on the cover they had set up a cover shoot for both us and the other person who was the last uh person in the competition against us it was between us and her okay um we we were playing somewhere the night before and flew you know stayed up all night traveling flew in that morning we had no sleep so like the photos of us that were on the cover rolling stone like we literally hadn't slept yeah and we were so there's a video of it out there somewhere but we were so exhausted that we didn't like sort of even realize it was real when they told us like right. you guys are actually going to be and so it was probably for their their verses they're like oh that was a pretty underwhelming response because we were just like oh wow like oh that like is this real cool can i go to sleep yeah <laughs> yeah yeah but i mean that was just the, like that's perfect personification of what that whole time yeah. was both during and after and the whole thing was that we recognized having been a band as long as we have like this is a once in a lifetime opportunity but we also recognized that a lot of people are going to think this is just a band that won a competition right so so much of that was proving that we were a real band we weren't just an overnight success and that we wanted to like continue to have a career after that because just being on the cover of a magazine and winning a competition nets you nothing but expectations and so we wanted to try to do what we could to meet that so Mm -hmm. the following years after that was the same thing it was like go go I mean we finished that that was in August when the cover came out and we did a bunch of festivals we did like cross Canada and US touring Mm -hmm. until December had like a couple days off you know the next flew to Nashville on uh, New Year's Day Right. It started recording a record that I was came gonna out. Say, you feel pressured to put something new out. Yeah, yeah of course. Yeah. Totally, yeah. Yeah. Other, I think so there was an EP after that first. Right? That was and like songs that were recorded during the competition that okay. came out in the, in and the then fall. The next and album was the self-titled yeah. one. Yeah. Okay. And that came out we the following year. And that's the one you guys did with Patrick yeah. Carney, right? Yeah. So tell me now, like, from going from, you know, Learn and Burn being recorded in a garage or you know, wherever, you know, wherever you did record yeah. it yeah. to working in Nashville with Patrick Carney then I've, I've read that one album you guys rented out a lake cottage mm-hmm. just to try and get away what is your what is your most ideal recording process now 
<laughs> I mean, you've kind of done a bunch of different ways. <clears throat> Just whatever's comfortable. I mean, yeah. I think uh, you know it's funny because we're actually literally having discussions about what we're, like we just did some recording and we're trying to plan the next round of it as well. But um, yeah, I don't know. Like when I, just, I think initially we used to be all about like the romance of certain ideas, like you know, learn and burn. We made that in a you know in like a rented part of a house that Ryan was subletting. Right. Why do we do it there? Because it was there. And it was actually a, the guy who rented to Ryan had it set up a bit as a studio. So we were just like, well, this is convenient. Mm-hmm. We didn't have any money. We just used my <laughs> yeah. computer to do it. So it was like, it cost nothing. That's why we did it. Um, you know, then the idea of doing a fancy studio is, is cool too. Like, well, Ben, imagine if you could go to whatever, you know, like Abbey Road or Mm-hmm. whatever like you RCA know, the, Studio One in yeah, Nashville yeah, yeah. like you hear about the Black Keys they went and made Brothers at uh, Muscle Shoals and it, apparently yeah. it was like a dump it, like it wasn't even in working <laughs> shape and they brought in like a you know their own equipment mm-hmm. uh, so most importantly it's like about being comfortable yeah and even going out to stay at a, a lake I don't know that that was even it actually cost us a lot of money to, to set up all the gear. Right. And when it came down to it, it was like we were sort of living in, like, rooms and cabins and stuff. Like, so, sometimes it's, like, just the simplest thing is the best thing. Like, like we, I mean, in Montreal, we did it in this course of a week. We just stayed in a hotel. We would go back to the hotel and drink beers together in, a, in one guy's room because it's locked down. Nothing's open. Right, yeah. But that was, like, comfy. That was nice. Mm-hmm. It was kind of, like simple yeah I think it streamlines everything you learn something about yourself as a band every time right. you make a record and you sort of use that experience I mean every record is sort of like a moment in time and then it's you like use that experience yeah. and you use that experience to kind of you know the, the one previous to this we did it over a super long period of time mm-hmm. it was a lot of coming and going and like recording you know when we could and spending lots of time of it whereas this in you know playing different parts whereas this mm-hmm. this is us all in a room we wanted to go somewhere that we could record in the same room and, and capture live energy yeah and you know we've sort of done a hybrid of that in the new stuff we've been sort of recording the last little while so yeah i mean i think it's there's no real ideal situation it's more so like what makes sense for that time and right. learning from what you learn like you and said it was an amazing experience to go and record at a, you know on a lake and, and be away from stuff but in the end we we're kind of like i don't know if we do that again and the same thing of like you know going to record in nashville with pat carney was a really cool experience but it was also not like we went and recorded that in some crazy studio it was a, a guy named roger muno has a really cool studio but it's like a former auto garage yeah, yeah. and it's like not what people would have necessarily imagined right uh, like a nashville recording studio but it was good for that time and it worked mm-hmm. really well for us to do what we were going to do there. Right. And, and Did you guys get to play the old Opry while you were there? <laughs> no. <laughs> no. No, I haven't done that one yet. <laughs> that one's still on the bucket list? Yeah. Um, after that competition, I think for quite a while anyways, the song, I don't know, was kind of synonymous with the Sheepdogs. Mm-hmm. Do you find that that's still like the anthem for the, the Sheepdogs, or do you find with the discography you have now it's kind of not necessarily what's expected? Nice. I think it's the, still our signature jam. Yeah. I mean, feeling good is like feeling good. license to so everything, but yeah. uh, we we always play out on our last in our set, so I think that yeah. kind of tells you everything. Yeah, it, it's what I think was an entry point to us for a lot of people. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's where people first heard us. You know, most people will be like, oh man, I heard that on the radio, and I was like, who's this old band that I haven't heard? And then realized it was you. Like, And that was the song that was sort of synonymous with us during people's discovery of us and a lot of people have that's their memories I mean it's interesting when you meet different generational sort of situations with your fan base having been a band as long as we have because there's people who maybe were fans of ours before where they're like ah man I really like this song from like trying to grow and that natural mm-hmm. wonder is my favorite song you guys ever made and right, it's funny yeah, yeah. and then you have new people that maybe will meet in places like Europe that have never heard of Lord and Burn that think that you know are like oh my god like nobody's that's my jam so it's really funny because definitely that is the Different song that places, it, it go, yeah. but as you sort of create this story for yourself over you know just by existing you sort of experience different sort of yeah. times where people are like oh the first time I heard you was yeah I, I heard this song from your most recent record which is 
always an interesting thing when other people are like talking about records from you know 12 years ago or 13 right. years ago so i always think it's probably such a balance when when you become a band that has five six albums when you play a set it's like well how many hits do you play for the first the people seeing you for the first time and how many other stuff do you play for the fans that have seen you now five six times you know and yeah, you uh, mix you got to play the you got to <laughs> do yeah some new records i was just i was just talking so i the last episode i did was with adam duritz from counting crows oh. and i mean i didn't tell him this but the only one time i've seen counting crows they're opening for matchbox 20 and i guess maybe he just didn't feel like playing it but he didn't even play mr jones really? that night and i was like well i think i knew like in an hour i knew like two songs and I was like, well, this wasn't necessarily the best first experience. But <laughs> it's the only song I know about them. Yeah, well, it was, they played like a long December. But oh, I know that one. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, you know, <laughs> I, I, I go back and forth, but, uh, you know, I would have a tough time not playing that song, I guess. Yeah. Uh, it, that's, it it's like the old Oasis. Like, for a while, the Gallagher brothers refused to play anything from What's the Story, Morning Glory, especially Wonderwall. Like, <laughs> you know... It's tough. I mean, I... I get it. I, if every... <laughs> they're paying... I mean, people pay money to come see you. Mm-hmm. you got to consider what they want to see. You don't have to do everything, but, I mean, if you have a iconic uh, song... I mean, I, I couldn't imagine us doing a show where we didn't play. I don't know. Right. You know, funnily enough, when we were... In, like, 2010, 2011, we used to open our set, but I don't know. Yeah. And then eventually our manager... I think that's was an like, interesting dynamic, too, opening... Yeah, your, he's like, you've got to play hit. that last. Yeah, I was like, ah, I kind of like opening with it. He's like, yeah. no, no, that's the song everyone knows. You have to play it last. And then uh, we basically played it last at every show for the last ten years. <laughs> but it, it's a funny one too because as time goes on, you have more songs that people know. But you yeah. know, when we were doing those shows and people were coming to our first shows, it's funny because you're building a set where like here's a bunch of songs that you don't know, and here's the song that you've heard on the radio, and you do some of these radio events, and that's mm-hmm. like the moment people are like ah, like they're all excited when that comes on. It's nice now because there's like. You know, we have lot, lots of people know album tracks get excited, but we've had many, you know, number one, yep. top ten songs that would be radio singles or fan well, I mean, favorites. I think you guys have been involved in the Junos for like every year since 2012 or something. So <laughs> there's enough, yeah. There's no, I, it's, there's you know, there's there's a, a body of work there, but it is yeah. funny. I mean, talking about the, you know, if every band based the way they handled things on like what Oasis did, there'd be no yeah. successful bands because they, they works for them, but that's certainly not like, right. that's not, I, I want to hear, even I've seen Oasis a few times. I would still want to hear morning glory. Are you kidding me? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Totally. Uh, one time, same day. One time I went to see Queens of the stone age and they had terrible technical difficulties throughout the whole set. And like halfway through the set, Josh homie, just like, he's like, trashed the, the, the set list. And was just like, you guys tell me what to play now and it was just like people were yelling out the most obscure songs and he was like great two people in this whole venue will know that but whatever <laughs> like, yeah, he's cool right? he's pretty rad I, yeah. I was watching the Black Keys from the side stage at Coachella and I stood next to that guy and like I'm, I'm a pretty big guy he's a fucking he's huge, huge. that guy is big he's yeah like six foot six yeah I remember uh, he did this project with uh, Dave Grohl and John Paul Jones from Led Zeppelin oh, yeah, them yeah. Crooked Vultures, Vultures. Yeah. I happened to be in Montreal one night they were playing there so I took my buddy out to see them and just like even like Dave Grohl looked like a little person compared to next to oh, him oh yeah it's like yeah he's huge it's, yeah. it's funny because there's people there's famous people and people in bands who are all, are either way shorter than you think or yeah. way taller than you think and yeah, it's like there's no about, real like middle ground yeah you don't know it's like, yeah Pat's tall Pat Carney's like 6'4 yeah. yeah whereas like Bono I hear is like 5'6 he wears pla- he actually wears platform shoes. On yeah, really yeah, yeah. But yeah, <laughs> that's funny, man. Um, so, have you guys have you been on tour with Black Keys? Or it sounds like you guys have a great relationship with, with the guys from the Keys. I mean, we we have great relationships. Probably putting too fine a point. We know Pat pretty good. And yeah, only know Dan a little bit. But we were supposed to tour Canada with him last year, but right. this pandemic. Yeah, we got next. Yeah, have you listened to Delta Cream yet? I haven't. You know, I, yeah, I listened to a little bit. I've only heard it once or twice. Yeah, I mean, it's a cool project. I I listened to. It. I haven't it's like very different. I haven't dug in, but it's cool. I mean, I like I appreciate that about those guys that you know they put out this record. We actually right before the pandemic they played Toronto, and you and I and, and Seamus went and saw the show and hung out. I, think and I was at like, that one. It was, we took him to a yeah, bar. we took him to a small bar in yeah. uh, in Little Portugal, which is uh, pretty fun. 
And that was cool because that was we did that and then we were going to do this tour. But I respect that about those guys that they are at that place where there probably is a lot of pressure for them to continually try mm. to deliver as many gold on the ceilings right. as they can, both for themselves and their you know fucking mortgages or whatever uh, and their label. But they also are always sort of seemingly like Dan's done some really cool stuff with his like record imprint. Yeah. Like whether it's like uh, that Tony Joe White thing that he put out mm-hmm. or the uh, that Yola record that he did is really fucking yeah. good. And he's always kind of like, I appreciate that when people like utilize their success to do projects that are cool rather than just constantly chasing success. So for them to do this record, I think it's not a miss to say they didn't do it and it's not going to be well received mm-hmm. by their audience, but it certainly is a departure from just doing other gold on the ceiling. Right, right. So, yeah. Which is funny, my uh, song my best friend for like five years thought was Oh What a Feeling. <laughs> oh, really? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it's like, actually makes more sense. But <laughs> Could have been a bigger hit. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, uh, a question specifically for you, in. When you're writing songs, um, what? Because I, I know you work on a project with your brother as well called mm-hmm. Broads. When you're writing a song, does it become difficult now trying to f- differentiate which one's good for which project? No, I don't. I don't find it's tricky at all. It's pretty, pretty clear. I mean, like, it's kind of as simple as like, if it's like rock and roll and guitars and singing, and that's sheepdogs. And if mm-hmm. it's like. I mean, uh, something with like more crazy overdubs and brass and different vibes, and that's probably more of a bros thing. Mm-hmm. Um, like I can tell you, like Seamus and I were writing some bros songs together, and he like showed me the song, and it was "Are You a Good Man," which is on this new EP. And as soon as I heard it, I said that should be a sheepdog song. Oh, really? Because it just fit what we do. Yeah. Um, you know, they're different things. Sheepdogs is my main thing, and it's like very much a live thing because mm-hmm. it's like a big huge part of our job is playing live yeah. and touring and it's also about what the f- each of us five dudes bring when we form like Voltron and stage <laughs> and, and so bros is different bros is like a way for me to kind of do all the things that the sheepdogs isn't right okay. so I find it pretty easy to okay and you guys have a I believe you have a release next month too July 16th there you go yeah okay so new Sheepdogs album and new Bros album uh, it's a busy summer yeah, yeah. good man always, always be always be hustling that's right yeah and a uh, fun question for Ryan because okay. I saw this on YouTube and I had a good laugh was tell me about your experience on The Price is Right <laughs> <laughs> uh, well I wish it was more of an experience that I got to be yeah you didn't it. get you didn't get called but. well it's funny so I mean the story around that is that when I was 19 and like okay. bro or sorry no I was 21 we were like early days of the band no money I my whole dream my entire life has been to go and try to be on The Price is Right and it was okay. my 21st birthday and I went to LA to try to be on The Price is Right for my 21st birthday yeah. with a friend of mine at the time and it was still Bob Barker days I had like a shirt you know everything and I figured I'm going to get on the show and I got there and the show got cancelled because I, I don't think Bob's health was amazing at that okay. point and so anyways never happened and so uh, jump ahead Many years, you know, yeah. 12, I don't even know, 14 years or something like that. Okay. Uh, I went, it was back, I was down there for my birthday, so I was like, I gotta go to the price of right. So I brought my same shirt that I had made for myself, like, you know, in, in whenever A that decade was. Decade earlier. Decade yeah. earlier, yeah, and I, I went and uh, went, and I did not get called up. But where I was, but you got it. So how do you get on the show? In it's general? like a whole, <laughs> it's a whole thing. So you like stand in a line for what seems like. Hours? 10 hours and yeah. it's probably more like 5 hours you yeah. wait and you sort of get funneled into a room where there's about 10 to 15 people and there's the 2 or 3 producers and they're interviewing you so like oh you know they tell me about everyone yourself everyone that's in the crowd everyone in the crowd gets interviewed wow. and they sort of like pick out so 2 people from my group were picked and one was like a really jovial uh, oil worker from Texas and one was right. like kind of like I can't remember her deal was. She she didn't she didn't even really like know what the Price is Right was, and I think they <laughs> thought that was funny too. So yeah. you sort of like try to like, and I read a bunch about online. You try to like impress the people right. right out of the gate, and then you get sat and you. So they've pre-depicted who they're gonna. Yeah. It's not drawn out of a hat or. Anything. No, and what okay. and it's so loud in there that you don't see this on TV, but you can't hear what they're saying because everyone's screaming. Right. And so you have to look to your. So if you ever watch, you'll see everyone looks to their right because there's somebody holding up a cue card that says who's getting you know. Come on down. Oh, really? You're like, okay. and then like 
they hold up a card and that person goes, you'll see it. Every time you watch it, you'll see everyone watch to the right and then they it, go, yeah. ah. And so, but I did end up being sat in the audience where I constantly was. So uh, yeah. me and my friend Matt, who also like does a lot of our, all our artwork and our photos and stuff, he lives in LA. And so we were like constantly trying to just be like over the top so we could right. like be in on the TV. So there's yeah. a bunch of stuff where you'll see we're just like, yeah, I made a compilation video of all the times. That yeah, we were, that's like, what on, I saw on, on the camera. But yeah, it, it was, it's fun. It. I mean, that's it's a show that I grew up watching, and like yeah. you know, I used to watch. I used to work with uh, people with disabilities, and I uh, one of my things was I had a group and we watched The Prices Right. So yeah. I, I, uh, it's a, my favorite show. So yeah, it was uh, it was a fun experience. I probably would do I it again. Religiously watched that when I was like in middle school. Oh yeah, <laughs> yeah. totally right. Like it's yeah. Uh, I used to come home for lunch to watch The Prices Right. I was like yeah. I lived close enough to school. Right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, it's a classic, and I know I was kind of like not so hot on. Drew Carey at first yeah. but actually he was great and it's really funny because between taping the actual things he like just hangs out and talks to the audience That's between cool. while we do the commercial breaks and he's really funny like he's actually really personable and I, I, I've grown to like him more in that show whereas I'm, I was more of a Bob man you're right well, I mean I feel like everybody's you gotta Bob's Bob's Bob. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, that's great. It's like Alex Trebek now. If you're oh, trying yeah, to watch Jeopardy yeah. now. Oh, I think they've done a pretty good job the way they've done it, but yeah, yeah, with mixing it up. But um, yeah, that's cool. Another thing that made me laugh is I was just last night I was perusing through your social medias and I saw that you guys did a like a <laughs> jelly bean counting yeah. <laughs> contest, but for 420, it was yeah. like how much weed is in the jar. So what I want to know is one how much weed was in the jar and two how close was the winner uh well i mean we had like something like so like thirteen thousand comments or something yeah like there was hundred comments yeah there was something like uh i want to say there was like fifty six hundred entries that i had to go through oh wow to find <laughs> so we but we pre-rate weighed it and then we were gonna weigh it live but i wanted to pre-weigh it just to make sure but the number changed, it changed? between when we pre-weighed it oh, no. and when we did it live you and I did it live with our, our friend on. so didn't you have to like go back through the answer no we had like I had luckily saved like uh, sort of like 15 gram list of who was all within I think it was 137 grams was the end okay. result and so uh, five people got it right okay. so, really yeah so it was so did you what was the prize again it was a completely assigned vinyl discography Pretty, pretty sweet prize. Yeah. Did you have to send out five of them in the Yeah, year? I haven't sent them out yeah. yet because we haven't been able to sign them because we have just didn't get to sign them in time. Uh, yeah. Because I want to send the new record with them as well. So right. They'll, those folks, they, they, I've been in contact. Did you they divvy up the weed between the five of them? <laughs> no, well, that was the funny thing <laughs> is that like yeah. it's a lot of, uh, it was in California. Okay. And uh, we had to like, having had the idea and then had to sort of source out weeds. So we actually went around, our friend, in California, went around and borrowed weed from people to fill to up fill the jar. To fill up the jar. We wanted it to be like. So it's a mix of. We wanted it, it is. <laughs> we wanted it to look impressive. We didn't want it to be like twelve grams or something. Yeah, like right. That, you know, mm-hmm. So yeah. two pinners. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, before we wrap up here, I have one last question, and that's now that you've done the Adamantium podcast, how do I get a Tim and Sid or Tim and Friends like theme song for <laughs> for my intro? <laughs> that's a good question. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I, uh, that's what the theme is. I, I listened to those guys back when they were a podcast. Yeah, man, I love those guys. Yeah, I'm kind of sad that they're split now. I know, I know. This yeah. pandemic, uh, I think it's changed a lot of people's lives. Maybe not in like, you know, in subtle ways, but it's yeah. definitely a, a thing. But yeah, I, that they're a great duo. I mean, I, I personally am not a huge fan of sports talk. I find it mm-hmm. to be. A little like perfunctory and just kind of going through the motions. Yeah, I love sports, but um, but those guys were great, and mm-hmm. I love when they were on the score. Yeah, did you ever listen to the score back in the? the they used to work in the score building. Actually. Oh, nice. Oh, yeah. There you go. So I, when I when we were doing all our crazy 2011 stuff, we were doing a tour through the score. They're like, hey, we love having musicians come talk sports. And when we were there, we were cruising around, and I was like, oh, Tim and Sid, I love you guys. And then there was a basketball podcast called The Basketball Jones. The song, I was remember from the Space Jam soundtrack. <laughs> right, yeah. That's why they couldn't. Well, then they eventually got picked up by the NBA TV, or and they had to change their name to the Starters because the rights of right. the song were owned by Lou Adler. Yeah, who's like the cool looking dude who's next to Jack Nicholson in all the Lakers games. Okay, legendary music producer. From yeah, LA, yeah. But, so I I get to know all those guys, um, and, and and just yeah, I love. 
So did they come to? Did they say to you one day, "Hey, would you mind?" Yes, yeah, so Tim hit me up. Was like, write me a song. I didn't have any time, so I did it in like 40 minutes in Saskatoon in my mom's basement. Amazing. And then I got my friend Roger to play drums on it. Uh, and it's, and then it just basically became, you know, like I, I didn't know what it was for or like how long it would be. Man, and it's like every episode it's almost like the Sheepdogs. I so. know, yeah. <laughs> and it, it went from promotion. them being on podcast, podcast to radio. To, to TV. To yeah. TV. Yeah. And then... Uh, at the start of the pandemic, they had me on a couple times. That's how slow the, the, the guests were. Tim, <laughs> yeah. You were on Tim and Friends. Tim, Tim and Sid. Sid. Oh, okay, Tim before Sid. it was, okay. Like, well, because there's no sports, and so they were, like, scrambling. So, like, want to come right. on and talk about sports memories? And I was like, sure. And I feel bad that you have to resort to having me on. But, like, <laughs> so yeah. what memories did you talk about? We talked about the Jays' uh, bat flip uh, okay. yeah. Bat- Batista game. But uh, Tim asked me to write a, a new theme for them, and I did, but it never really wasn't great. I was doing it in my house because we're all, it was like the early days of the pandemic, mm-hmm. and like I just didn't have anything around. It was really crude. And then I, when they switched to Tim and Friends, Tim's like, I need a new theme. And so Ryan helped me out with the bass, and we laid down a new, I actually drummed on it, some pretty bad drums, but, and that's the theme. So hopefully it lasts as long as Tim and Sid did. We're, you're talking about a decade of it being yeah. the theme song, and like almost that's every almost every episode they would like yeah. they would credit you guys. I think too. every episode they yeah. say thank you, sheepdogs, sheepdogs yeah. for the theme. Yeah. yeah, yeah, they're they're great dudes, and they're like it's cool because it's like part of Canadian lore. You know, it's just like part yeah. of the culture. It feels good. Yeah, that's awesome, man. Well, thank you guys so much for not just taking the time, but coming here to do this in person. It's a nice yeah. setting. Yeah, yeah, it's great. It's, it's, great uh, it's much. I have to say, it's much. I appreciate it doing it this way rather than looking at Oh, yeah, I mean, it's like there's one thing about this nice about doing press and not having to leave your house, but there's another nice yeah. thing it's about, like, actually interacting with somebody. Yeah, any day I'll there. take this over yeah, looking at a computer screen. Yeah. yeah. Well, thank you guys so much. Thanks, man. And uh, all the best with the EP, and we hope to uh, catch you at a venue soon. Yeah. Right. <laughs> Cheers. Thanks. Thank you for tuning in to the Adamantium Podcast. If you enjoyed today's episode, we'd absolutely love for you to subscribe to us on whichever platform you listen to your podcasts. I'd also love to see you on social media. You can follow on Instagram at The Adamantium, on Facebook at The Adamantium Podcast, and on Twitter at Adam R. Harrison. Thank you again so much for listening.